Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Zealand podcast. And th this is kind of surprising to me. Somehow, some way, Jack, Work the Space, has not... I, I haven't had you on to just hang out and talk for a little while. How did that happen? I don't know. I mean, you asked me. I was like, yes. I've, I, was, I was sat waiting, suitcase in hand, ready to be jetted <laughs> off to sit here with you. And chat away. Well, well, our recording studio is in is in Mykonos, so that's where we are right now, right? Is that how you? That's I, how you can, I can that. confirm. Yeah, you're a big beach guy. I feel like. I um, I'm a, yes and no. I feel like I've nearly drowned at a beach before. So really? I'm not a massive fan of open water. Yeah. Well, I, well, I feel like I need to stay. You're not a man. I'm from Florida, so open water is like I was born in open water. I was raised by the sharks. Like, what? You, why are you afraid of uh, open water? Well, I nearly drowned. See, there, there well, was like know, a, but... a, there was a bay, and it like kind of goes around in a horseshoe shape out to sea. So when the tide uh, goes out, like it drains out to be you know, a big open area, and then as the tide comes in, there's like a dune about five hundred meters away from the shore that sits above water. And I thought I'd swim the gap, but I didn't. I underestimated how quickly the tide was coming in, and I got halfway between it and realized I wasn't going to make it to the other side. Ooh. Um, and then, fortunately, some random guy, don't know who he is, he found me, he grabbed me, dragged me to, sh to shore. Wasn't a lifeguard, wasn't, you know, part of the, the sea rescue service. And uh, here I am to tell the tale. So you were swimming against the tide trying to get to this dune. Yeah, yeah. When you, I was quite young at the time. And the worst thing is, I, I used to be quite a good swimmer. Like, I used to swim during the weeks and stuff. I mean, not anymore, that's long gone. So I think I was just an overzealous kind of 10-year-old who thought they could take on the world, and I couldn't. Well, uh, you're talking 10 years old. That's absolutely, uh, that sounds absolutely like something I would have done. I'm just a dumb child. I think every kid does something dumb, and sometimes you don't even have the awareness that what you did was really stupid. I'm no, just glad that because... in this modern era, like... I feel like kids these days, they record themselves doing the dumb stuff and put it on TikTok or whatever. So at least I avoided that aspect of it. I will say this. I, I'm 25. So I, I'm still a millennial, but it's right at the, uh, allegedly right at the end of the whole millennial thing. I was four when the millennium changed. I watch TikTok now. And it is, I cringe. I physically, like, it isn't just the phrase. I physically, I make a face like I just ate an entire lemon. I mean, I cr when I watch TikTok sometimes. Do you, have you even looked at it? Have you, like, watched TikTok Okay, ever? so I went through a phase of uploading to TikTok of about a week. And then I realized this is a load of effort for something that I don't actually necessarily think is worth <laughs> anything in the long term to me. Um, I fell into a web of it for a short while where, like, I'd just sit. And if I was bored, I'd open TikTok and suddenly an hour had gone. But most of it is just rubbish. Like, there's no quality control. And yeah, if, you, if you're if you sat listening to this and could, oh, maybe I should check it. No, don't. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's, it. It's... I thought it can't be as bad as people make out to be. It's absolutely as bad. And like you said, it is actually cringe. Not in the modern internet where I've gone cringe to everything, which I hate the fact that word's been ruined. But you do sit there and wince at some of the stuff thinking... You're going to regret that in 10 years. When that comes up in your job interview or your university entrance interview, Like you're going to have a hard time explaining that. Well, here's my theory on TikTok. The, the successful people on TikTok, and this is not like a, gen, a generalization. There are a lot of people that are very successful on TikTok that are doing other things. But there is a large contingent of people that are successful on TikTok 
because they have cool eyes and they are willing to make a fool of themselves. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. If I make a fool of myself, people wouldn't watch it. That's my issue. That's why you need the, the cool eyes. See, I don't think I have very cool eyes. No, Jack, I, we've never met in person, except b when we came here to Mykonos together. Do you have cool That's eyes? True. Do you have cool enough eyes um, to be TikTok famous? I feel like I, if I wore sunglasses, they'd be cool. Ah. The fact, I feel, do you know what I mean? I'm the kind of person, if you put some shades on me, it ups my coolness, which probably means I don't have cool eyes, if I'm being honest with probably. you. It's not something I've ever sat here and wondered about. I, I rock a good pair of aviators. This, this is important. You know, people don't talk about how do you, how do you show off your eyes? Well, we neither of us are TikTok famous, <laughs> so I guess we're, the, we're we're not getting there. What are we talking about today? We're talking about <laughs> yeah. Well, well, content and in sports is usually what we're here to talk about. So I I suppose the conversation about TikTok was is exactly on brand. But what we should probably shift to is something that has a little bit more to do with us, even though I am fascinated by your week-long TikTok career. Uh, and that is the fact that as we sit here right now, we are the top two YouTubers for Football Manager. And I'm going to ask you, because I feel like I have a I have an answer to this as well, and how, how do you think that happened? And did you ever in a million years imagine you would be here? Uh. I, I saw a bit of a blur. And no, I didn't think I'd be here. Like, I feel like you're the next generation that have come through. Like, you're going to pass me in like a week. I've made my peace with it. Like, you are killing it. Um, it's, not, it's not in a week. You you move for somebody that is all doom and gloom about this. Because we do have conversations about this. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm gaining on Jack, you know. But you move very fast for somebody that claims to be like dead in the water. Like, if in terms of just the straight numbers race, I'll always look up and I'm like, those goalposts moved again like i you know i can't close the distance it's kind of it, it kind of ticks along i feel like there's there's the waves of excitement i feel it's weird actually i feel like with your content you feel a little less around the release of fm and kind of just throughout the year you're constantly ticking along and then i'll try and pull away a little bit i look over my shoulder i'm like he's still there he's coming for me <laughs> um i feel like a marathon runner and i've got to the last like two miles and realized i'm spent but but it's interesting, right? Like you said about like, did I would I ever have imagined that I'd be here? No, I I started my YouTube channel when the biggest FM channel was a Football Manager mobile channel with a thousand subscribers. I just thought it'd be something fun to spend you know some spare hours doing whilst I was studying at university, and then it spiraled out of control over time, and now I'm here. I feel very similarly about that on the Twitch side. Because I, when I started streaming it on Twitch, the biggest person was Ben on Twitch. And yeah. he was like maybe 400 people. And that and I mean, that was astronomical. The people that I was looking up to at the time were like Viking Dan and Teach. I wonder what he's doing now. But uh, the, those guys, and they were up at like 100, 110 streaming football manager and i'm like well wow like that's where i'm gonna want to try and get like for anybody who's well what was his goal or what like what was your goal i guess we talk about that in a second too because clearly i mean you start when somebody has a thousand subscribers you're never you have 130 something you've got the plaque you've got a full-time job a comfortable full-time job like it's 
crazy to think about. But my goal initially was like, on the streaming side, I was like, oh, I'm going to get to 100. I, I, if I can get to 100, then I'm going to be this big star. And I'm going to be like full time and doing kind of what I love all the time. And it just kind of keeps going. That's that's the thing to me about the YouTube too. I, I had no goal. I knew I wanted to push it as far as I could, but I had no idea how how far that went as far as I could. Yeah. And so you kind of just keep going. And I feel like you're, you're it's like swimming. You just talked about swimming. And it's like swimming laps in a pool, except you never pick your head up. You just keep swimming. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, I swam 27 laps. Every once in a while, you just look up and you're like, huh, this is where I am now. And then you put your head down and keep swimming again. I think actually to be sat there, to keep the metaphor going, if you, as a creator at any size, are swimming with your constant kind of head constantly up looking around, you end up feeling like you're just not moving. I feel I feel like, I don't know if you can agree with this, but as a creator, you can become too fixated at look, kind of looking at what everyone else is doing. Oh, like, absolutely. It's good to keep yourself rooted and to have that awareness, but at the same time, that you can fall into that cycle, I think, as a creator. If you put out a video and it doesn't get as many views one day, or you go live on Twitch and no one's watching on a certain day, and you start to kind of overanalyze it, and you can really easily start to just produce worse content as a result of that because you kind of feel a need to change when you don't need to and like you said i think the best thing to do is kind of keep your head down keep going with it and then you really feel the progress when you do take those moments to come up for air and kind of look around and kind of survey the scene i think a key to it is measuring your success against yourself i feel like a lot of people I, and me included for a long time, it was every single viewer that would come in and, or leave on like a Twitch stream in particular, you know, it'd be like, well, I averaged 14 this month and I averaged 13 the last month. And so I'm really killing it this month. You know, that like that, that's not yeah. how that works. It's more, it, oh, I'm going to be that guy. Are you ready? Go with it. It's more about the process than the results. Oh, definitely. Right, take that one off oh. your cliche bingo yeah. card, everyone. Yeah. If you had that one down. It, but it, it is, though, I feel like, because the first time, so I obviously blew up in a rather ridiculous way. There was like an, I think it was April of 2020, like right after the pandemic started. I had yeah. like 12,000 subs in a month, you know, and I, I, I could do no wrong. I was rolling out of bed and, and I was just out like amazing videos. Like the, every single video was blowing up. It was 10,000 views in a day, then 20,000 views in a day, then 30,000 views in a day. It was just like, it was going up so ridiculously. When you are that person, you never think it's going to stop. But what's helped me a lot is that it did stop. And it went way down. Yeah. I mean, it went like way down. And, and there was a kind of a big lull because I did a couple videos because at that point I was just kind of getting lucky. I didn't really know nearly as much as I know now about you know how to pack you know title thumbnail what people want to watch that sort of thing and so i made a couple videos that just sucked and then it just you know it was like a thousand subs in a month or something it was it was right when i was about seventy thousand subs it just stopped yeah and it was and, at and that point you... yeah it was at that point that i worried for the first i was like wait was that just kind of like this rock is it over now like can i get back out of this can i get back to where i was I think what can really kind of make that feeling worse is if you feel like you're putting out your best content and people just aren't watching it, but as kind of successful creators, as we sit across the table from one another, we can kind of say, 
I think fairly confidently, we know what people want to watch or we think we know what people want to watch. But there are those times and those periods where you put out a few videos and you think, that was great. I love doing that one. It's going to boom. And then you look at it two days later and go, that one didn't do very well, did it? And that almost impacts me more. Like you said, you know, sometimes you know over a month these videos aren't as good or I'm not quite at that level I was killing it before. And it's kind of social media as a whole can be a bit of a cruel beast, I think, from that regard where quantity and quality is kind of a balancing act and just having the quality on its own doesn't necessarily guarantee success. I agree. I think that's interesting the way you put it is quantity and quality because obviously the longer you take with a video, the better it's going to be. But in order to reach more people and make enough money to do it full time, you also need to release a certain amount of videos that do decently well. And so figuring out where where you fall on that. I mean, I've overshot it. I've done like four videos in a week and I'm like, it, it, you don't give the videos the appropriate amount of, I call it like time to marinate. Like they just need a couple days to be the feature video. And there's just the certain things that I've tried to figure out. And obviously we're in different buckets in terms of like you do let's plays and I yeah. don't. And that's just like two different types of YouTubing. But uh, you just get better at those strategies. Then back to where I was when the, the, the stuff was kind of running out and I, the videos were not doing well and the views were going down. Oh, you know, all that when you get the straight red and the like month over month turnover and you're oh, like, I hate oh. that. With YouTube and its little rocket where it's like, you've had a good month and there's like a rocket going to the sky. And then the next month, it's like it's, you, less people are subscribing this month because they're not enjoying the videos as much. And you're sort of thinking, why are you telling me it like this? Yeah, no, the, the way they tell it to you, oh, well, they're not clicking on the videos as much. They're not watching for as long. And you're just, this is like insult after insult here. But when I pulled myself out of that for the first time and I, I got back to like where, you know, not where I was before because that was just a unique situation, but like a very good level of people watching the videos and enjoying the videos and kind of progress. I feel like once you go through that the first time, then you get a lot more comfortable because then you know you can do it again. So like when I drop a video and it's bad, I'm like, shoot, not doing that again. But also like if I drop a couple of videos that are bad, I'm like, well, I, you know, I know I can get myself out of this. I've already done it before. Yeah, that's definitely a thing for me. And it's like a headspacing. And like you said, I think you go through it for the first time. And I think depending on where you're at as a creator when that happens it can certainly kind of make it feel way worse than it is obviously you were saying about like with you know you were killing it like you know i I think it was right around the time that fm went free to play on epic for like a few weeks or maybe on steam for a few weeks and you were just like rocket going off into space and it's like you said um kind of go through that rocky period i think for some creators you know they have that initial success on a first few videos because it's new it's different there new to the scene and then you do have to ride out that rough period and that's like the period where i think any aspiring creator you're kind of most likely to drop off it's similar with like streaming i feel like you know when you first start streaming there's that initial hump to get over and then you'll get to a point where there's maybe 10 to 30 people watching on the regular and like you want to constantly feel that level of progression it's kind of how the brain works right you want those little endorphin hits of lots of green arrows in the analytics and stuff and so when it doesn't happen sometimes it you have to kind of separate the content that you're creating from yourself i think we're in this era um with the internet where everyone's kind of own self-worth is almost 
it feels like it should be attached to their presence on the internet, a following that they have, you know, the relevancy, shall we say, I say with kind of air quotations. And that can definitely be really, really tough to kind of shrug off. Learning how to deal with head dropping an absolute stinker of a video is one of the life skills of being a YouTuber, I think. Because you will never always drop like great videos. You'll drop oh, a video. Sure. You drop a video and you open your phone the next morning and you're like, well, it's 10 out of 10. And, it, it, and that used to ruin my day. I'd be like, you know, film like five <laughs> videos because I was so mad. I'm like, I'd figure out like what happens. You know, it's never gonna happen. Now it's just like, okay, I'll wait two days. Next video is gonna come out. It'll do better, and we'll we'll move on. And it's not that you don't want to like succeed or make great videos or make stuff that people want to watch. It's just more of a gotta you get just stay healthy as a human being and not be like have your day ruined by the fact that the thumbnail just wasn't quite good enough or you came up with the wrong title or the video was just a bad idea that not a lot of people want to watch. I feel, I feel like you should exp explain the 10 out of 10 thing. Right, if you okay. go make YouTube videos, you wouldn't know what the 10 out of 10 thing is. So the, the channel dashboard on YouTube, and when you mention it to any YouTuber, like you immediately know what it is. But if you've never made YouTube videos before, you probably haven't seen it. It compares your video in real time, like the video you just released, to the performance of the last other nine videos you've released. So like my mine, I'm looking at mine right now. It's just like first one day in six hours compared to your typical performance. And it's like seven out of 10 is women are coming to football managers. The last video I released. And then when you hover over this little arrow, it shows you, you know, how many views exactly your video has, you know, after one day, six hours and 30 minutes compared to every other video you've released in the last, you know, for me, it's usually like the last month. If you're doing a video every day, it's like for the last week and a half. And it compares it in views, and it compares your impression click-through rate compared to the last 10, and your average view duration compared to the last 10. And so you have a constant running ticker of whether you are succeeding or failing. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. At all times. It's like the, it's like the equivalent of a boss. Like obviously, we don't, we don't, you know, kind of, we as creators, we're our own leaders, but like this thing, it's like the pressure to perform of like, that a boss would provide is YouTube just going, yeah, no one's clicking on this one. Like... 9% of people who see it are clicking on it. 91% of people just think it's garbage before they see it. It's like, okay, I'll try and do uh, something different. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, or my favorite is you can tell before you get to the number because there's this little sentence above it. And it either says like, this video is performing better than usual. This video is getting a similar amount of views as usual. Or this video is attracting less interest than usual or something like that. When you see the last one, it's just like, I don't want to look oh, at the rest. Just, yeah. just block it out. It's not worth it. And then sometimes it's like, well, it's getting less, but it's like just below the threshold. So like, this is the terrible video. And sometimes it's just like way lower than your normal. And you're like, oh no. The one I hate is when it's like, it's like, it's getting fewer views than normal, but people who are watching it are watching it for twice as long. It's like, well, this doesn't, what am I meant to do with this? Yeah. It's like, like, well, I'm glad the video is good, but nobody cares. Like, that's sort of, <laughs> sort of the reaction. Uh, it's just the life. It's a unique, a unique way to operate just going through the world doing this. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, if you just focus on it and just the numbers in general, you just feel miserable. Like, it's very difficult to detach your own self-worth from it. Like, even now, I'm still guilty of doing it. But kind of over the last eight years... You kind of get a knack for it eventually. Yeah, you get you, you get an understanding of like, okay, I 
I'm not going to be great all the time, but we're still doing pretty well relative to everybody. Well, I want to say relative to everybody else, but of course, you know, how many people are actually trying to be football manager YouTubers? And that's not even what I mean. I mean, there's a lot of people that are doing great stuff. It's just like relative to where I thought I would be relative to where I used to be. Like, we're still doing pretty well. Like, oh, it's going to be okay. I just got to, the next idea is going to be the great one. That's the thing, right? I've been doing it for so long. It's kind of, I've seen so many people come and go. And at this time, it's like, maybe, maybe my content isn't as good as it used to be. But then I kind of have to remember, I've been doing it for eight years. And I've seen so many people come and go in that time and kind of different eras around me. And whilst... You know, I don't take for granted my position having started before everyone else because I think that feeds into the success like that on, on social media, especially across any platform, like the battle to stay relevant is difficult. You know, there are very few YouTubers who will be going doing content for eight years in the same space and be able to hold a relevancy. And so in a weird way, I kind of take that as my motivation and kind of testament to my content if there is ever that self-doubt that kind of creeps in. This brings up another interesting point that uh, we're going to talk about on the other side of this break. The question I wanted to bring up is something that I, I watched a YouTube about this recently, and it's something my, my, like my mom asks me, is YouTube has been around obviously longer than some of the other mediums that we use, which would be, you know, Twitch, I think is generally a large portion of income for us or something like TikTok that you want to mess around with or maybe Twitter, uh, which you don't really make money off of. If you do, I'm clearly missing out on that. Well, but, I don't know how you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's some sort of sponsored tweet or something. I don't know if I'm that, uh, <laughs> that cool yet. But the, the thing is, nobody's ever grown old doing this. And we're obviously coming from different directions. I've been doing it for two years. You've been doing it for eight. But... Where do you see yourself? And this is a tough question, but it's more of a, it's less of a where Jack in particular is going to be in 25 years as like a life thing. But how do you see YouTube progressing? And is it like something you're still going to be doing in 25 years? Or like, what is the, because nobody really knows. Do you just continue, if you're a YouTuber, right? Do you just continue doing that until you're 65 and then pay into a 401k and just retire? Like, what do you do? That nah, is weird, isn't it? And especially, it was something that I thought about a lot, actually, when I was kind of quitting my job. I think, you know, there's different types of creators. There are creators who YouTube is all they've ever done. And, you know, you get people who become young YouTube stars, you know, from their late teens into their 20s and have kind of grown with it. And whilst I've, you know, somewhat grown with it, it, like, it was never a job to begin with. Like, when I started, there was never that plan. Obviously, I quit to go full-time about 12 months ago now. And that was like a really big move for me at the time because I had a career, I had stuff sorted. And like you said, no one really knows where we're going to be in 25 years. Like, I want to believe I'll still have some kind of presence online. I want to believe that it won't have worn me down mentally to the point where I feel a need to rip out the power cord on the on the internet and kind of stop everything. But at the same time, I think, I, I, ha I feel like as a creator, I don't want to have all my eggs in the YouTube basket in the same way, I wouldn't want to have them all in Twitch or just all in content creation. You kind of need, I want to say, like the exit strategies, for lack of a better word. Uh, at least that's how I approach it. I'm sure there are some creators who just have head down, do, like do what you're doing now, ride the wave of it, see where you end up. I'm someone who's quite risk adverse. You know, I'm someone who, uh, 
I, I need to have a plan B at all times. <laughs> like, if I'm ever going to do something, I'm not too spontaneous with my decision-making, which is probably why it took me as long as it did to just take the plunge with full-time content creation. I'm sat here now thinking, what is YouTube going to be in 25 years? I'm sat thinking, what is Football Manager going to be in 25 years? Like, uh, I mean, I, hope, weird, right? I uh, hope for our sakes, huge, but... It's like, are the audience going to grow old? And that's kind of the interesting one, right? Like, are the people who are watching us now still going to be watching in 25 years? Because I can only speak from my own personal experience as someone who's, like, hung out on the internet. I feel like the type of content I consume has evolved as I've got older, as the content itself has evolved as well. And as a creator, I sit and think, how different is it going to be in 25 years? How scarily different could it be? And how... Like, will you remain relevant through that time? There's a, there's a phrase that I always tell myself, and it's by Frederick Schurler, who's a German philosopher, and it's, he who doesn't move with the times will be removed over time. I Which like I that. It, but I kind of, I feel like that's one of those things where that's kind of been my mantra going through YouTube, is I have to adapt to stay relevant and kind of move with the times. I think you've accelerated the moving, which terrifies me slightly because I think you've come in and just shook everything up massively in a really cool way. And that excites me. And I think that's one of the things that kind of keeps me going is that kind of wondering of how different is it going to be in 10 years? How different is it going to be in five years? Like, And then 25 years. Before you said 25 years, I've got to be honest, never thought about it that far ahead, but it's kind of just mental to think about. And like these conversations we've had, well, we look back at them and go, man, how wrong were we? You're like, yeah. but we didn't know what was coming kind of thing. Oh, we had no idea. Or, you know, there could be another social media. I mean, th- who knew what TikTok was two years ago? Like, you know, there could be another social media around the corner that completely changes the game or tomorrow Twitch could blow up. I think YouTube's got really good longevity. Um, YouTube is the second largest search engine on the internet uh, behind Google itself. In terms of a catalog of stuff, they see YouTube's got a very good, uh, like they're set up for the long term. They're doing nothing technically illegal. And so I think that YouTube, even though it will look very different, the, the core principle of YouTube existing and videos being there, I think that will still exist 25 years from now. Like I don't see anything being able to replace that. And I don't see anything outside of giant issues at Google headquarters or something causing YouTube to collapse. I think Twitch is really likely to not exist 25 years from now. This is just on the... Because you got me thinking about the diversification, which I, I think is really important if you're going to do this for a really long-term amount of time. Like, you need to find revenue streams that are not just people watching your videos and subscribing on Twitch. Like, you yeah. need you need to find... And I don't know I don't know if I found that yet, but you need to find a way to make this a longer-term career without having to just put out content constantly twitch is such a weird one because i just feel like it's quite a volatile platform like there's almost a stability to youtube where whilst it's had its odd dramas and you know stuff's come out generally speaking it's remained relatively unshook and with twitch i always kind of had these kind of doubts over its long-term potential like i was partnered as a twitch partner i think in 2014 where i just wrote a nicely worded email to their offices and they went sure you're partnered, like they flick a switch and that's it. And obviously that whole thing has evolved so much. But with Twitch, with the Amazon takeover, it feels like with Twitch, there's just always something going on that kind of 
discredits where it is. And I say that as someone who relies on the platform, uses the platform a lot, and loves the platform. But I don't know how convinced I am of its longevity, despite how much I'm using it now. I I don't know. I'm not convinced of its longevity at all. But which is interesting because I have two like main streams of revenue, right? It's it's YouTube and Twitch, and I feel like I, unless you have some side enterprise I'm unaware of, you're basically the same way. And so, and obviously there's like sponsorships, and then um, these podcasts don't make any money. This is just hanging out and talking. But the general idea is that you just have those couple of platforms that are funneling the cash towards you, and the Twitch has a huge DMCA issue. I think that's the problem. They have no idea how to address it. And there's no discoverability on Twitch, which isn't a problem for us because we can steer people from other platforms onto it. But if you're yeah. just trying to stream on Twitch, like there's no, you know, there's no growth there. At well, all. They say like the average view membership on Twitch is like three or four people. Like that's that's the average, which is kind of just mad. And it's it's like, I think there's two issues with Twitch. One is the discoverability. I do feel like there's a lack of quality control as well, which might sound, seem a little kind of, I don't want to say big-headed, but it's difficult, I think, for Twitch because it's like they want to promote people, but with it being a live platform especially, you have no idea what the stuff is that you could possibly be promoting unintentionally be that in terms of quality, but also just, you know, someone's being really offensive or whatever on Twitch or just, you know, break, breaking a load of rules, playing all this DMCA'd kind of music. I don't envy the task of the people over at Twitch because I do feel like it's a bit of an impossible task, not only with the DMCA stuff, but just kind of in general. I think lots of people want different things from Twitch. And I think... and. I fear that in saying this, it's going to come across as the f- I'm saying this because I'm a quote unquote big streamer. But I think there's a lot of people who kind of scream and shout at Twitch who are people who want to stream but just can't get it off the ground. And I think part of that is because st- streaming and kind of broadcasting is a, a skill. Like being able to talk to people is a skill, you know, like on the internet. I think lots of people view it as kind of an easy out, you know, it's something that you could just do where you flick a switch, go live, and it's you, you stream and suddenly it's really good, which. As you'll know, that that's not the case at all. Like streaming is a skill, so it's difficult and you have to learn to do it. And I do feel like, and maybe I'm wrong here, I think there's a lot of people who use Twitch and aren't critical of Twitch because they just kind of enjoy the content. And I think a lot of the noise that comes around Twitch that perhaps feeds into that uncertainty of the future and the general concerns with Twitch, like discoverability, is people who feel like... Th- they should be able to stream and have a viewership and have a big audience and maybe they can't yeah there there are, that's a collection of people that are mad but i've just like the dm i got i got banned on twitch i don't know if you remember for like a couple oh, of days I, I, I saw the tweet come through there's that twitter account like banned on twitch i saw you know i thought oh, no he's gone they, yeah, they've, I, they've I, taken away the key they've locked him up we've I was yeah they locked me in an ivory tower for two days it was amazing it was amazing <laughs> they had room service and everything it was great they huh. that was what really shook my faith in the future of it because I was like wow they really don't know what they're doing they yeah. really really jarred me because it was like, I was watching highlights we were watching highlights of like a match I can't remember you know we were watching like some so we were on Twitter like somebody scored a goal right i can't remember it was like an international window i think nations league and somebody scored a goal and we went on twitter to watch the goal 
and we pull the like we pull the video up and we watch the goal and then my twitch turns off i got no was it like an instant thing or was yeah, it like completely uh, instant my ob mad, my it? obs said connecting and i could not log into my twitch account so i don't know if you know this story so i'll just tell so that happens and then i see the tweet because they tag you in the tweet like zealand has been yeah. banned and so i'm like okay cool i just lost half my income and you know an instant i never got a single message from twitch i was unbanned three days later it is mad that isn't it that communication aspect i think youtube are similarly a bit disconnected but they don't act kind of as swiftly and kind of as shrouded in mystery as twitch does when it comes to like twitch bans and stuff especially and the inconsistencies of rules that are applied like, it's terrifying isn't it when you're on a yeah. platform and then it's just gone like they snap their fingers and your fan off snapped off the the whole platform without kind of any word they had no they yeah, had, they had I, I well here's the other thing i feel like nobody thought this through it was like a five-year-old's system and it drove me insane so there's a partner discord for those that have ever wondered about this sort of thing nobody this is new news i i'm not in that discord is there like really oh, you, cabanas no and no, stuff? no 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 there's like it, the only thing it's used for is like uh troubleshooting i have never used it but I, I'm in it. I I wasn't in it for a long time. You have to like go onto the Discord front page and like ah, it's weird. And there's this partner Discord that you're supposed to be able to use to like troubleshoot and ask questions. That's what it's there for. Well, when I can't log into my Twitch account, guess what Discord I'm no longer uh, like I'm no longer a part of. So I I don't have <laughs> access to that. And because I'm banned, right? And it's not like I did something heinous. I'm trying to figure out why I'm banned. I don't have access to partner support because I can't log into my account. It's mad, isn't it? And like, so I sent a ticket through like the contact us page on Twitch, like the website, <laughs> not a part, not a partner ticket, not like any, I don't have a partner manager, nothing. I just sent a ticket through the contact us page and they got back to me a day and a half later. And the guy goes, yeah, it looks like you got a DMCA strike. That was his response. No information, nothing. And I was like, "So it, when do I well, like, mad, when do I it? get when do I get unbanned?" And he's like, "Probably a couple of days." And I'm like, "Do you even understand what is going on right now? Like, you you have no idea what happened. Not it's not been told to me why this happened. We've watched. I mean, how many times have you gone on Twitter and watched a highlight of something? Right? I don't anymore." Well, that's the thing, right? I'm. I feel like I've always over-aired on the side of caution. I think because there was like that period where Twitch really kind of, kind of came down on things early, and I was like, you know what, it's not even worth risking. I don't even play music because I've had periods where I played music that I have the right to pay for. I pay a subscription to be able to play that music, and the vods still get muted. So I kind of just think, you know what, there's like a generic like five tracks I'll play when I'm about to go live, and once that's played, I'm done. It's mad. And it's like in that situation, it's like the VOD gets muted. It's like, how do I contact them here to say, hey, I have the rights to this music. I pay for the, you know, this license provider. It was Epidemic Sounds, which you might be familiar with. You might not be. For people unfamiliar with the concept, you basically pay a fee every month and they have a big audio library that you can use. It's a really cool service. Like, it's great on YouTube. It works flawlessly there. You know, they know that you've got the rights to use that music. But on Twitch, it's just. 
Twitch strikes me as a company that's grown quicker than they ever anticipated, and there's just teething issues they've never, ever really solved. And at this point, it's like beyond the point of solving them. It's just a very poorly... uh, I feel like they just need a CEO that comes in and just goes, all right, all of this stuff is messed up and we need to figure out how to fix it. Because right now they're basically like using duct tape to fix a dam. You know, where like they're just barely surviving. Like these people are getting people are getting banned all the time. They don't know what for. The DMCA issue is an actual nuclear bomb waiting to explode. Because it you know, three DMCA strikes and you're off the platform for good. Okay, so that is three seconds of a pop song. And you're off. Forever. It's mad, isn't it? If, if, and then yeah. you consider with different platforms how flexible they are on other stuff, be it abuse to other users and stuff. I don't know, it's the the financial repercussions, but you kind of look at the abuse that you see on stuff like Twitter and Instagram. Like, Twitter's very quick to remove videos, like, if you, they don't think you have the rights to them or if there's not the right, yeah. you know, music license and stuff. And I don't know, I think it's a general social media problem where so many platforms have got too big. And YouTube, in a weird way, YouTube system kind of works just by virtue of the fact it's always been that way, whereas Twitch's initial attitude was kind of just to ignore it and let people play whatever. And then all the lawyers came along one day. It's like, ah, now we have to solve it. And obviously the difference is with YouTube, it's kind of the Google financing that allows them to, you know, develop technology for all of that. And I feel like Twitch is the kind of platform where it was bought by Amazon to raise in value and try and make them money. And I, yeah, I don't know where they're at with that, but there is definitely... I mean, and we could say this as two Twitch partners. I've never had contact with anyone at Twitch no, since ever. I got partnered never. seven years ago. Like, it, it's mad. I've never talked to anybody. Yeah, I, I mean, how much money? Uh, the, that's the thing is Twitch takes a lot of money, too. Like, from, oh, it's 50%. From you, it's 50, I don't, yeah, 50%. We, we can say it's 50%, it's 50% of a sub, right? Like, that's that right not... An, when you compare that to other platforms, like, it does make me wonder if YouTube will end up being the primary streaming platform. I know, obviously, we had Mixer that kind of came and went, and Facebook gaming kind of just exists. I mean, have you ever considered, like, the future of your streaming being on YouTube with kind of that your channel growing it, up? Or? It doesn't work. I like Twitch. I do. I mean, I think I like it's... the culture of Twitch. Yeah, I think I'm it's not- the best. Uh, it's the coolest, best, most comfortable streaming platform. But I am fully comfortable with the idea that if Twitch explodes, I could start streaming on YouTube tomorrow. That's kind of the get out we have, right? Like with your DMCA stuff, it's awful. It's half your income. There are some streamers who rely entirely on Twitch. That's a dangerous and like, game. And it's it's that diversification. You, I feel like in this age that we're in, you can't really afford to have all your eggs in a singular basket. No. As safe and secure as YouTube is, I would not feel it. Does, it just doesn't feel smart. It's like any kind of you know investment. You don't put all your money into like a single stock. You diversify your portfolio, and that's kind of, I think, how you have to approach it online. And that's why I think platforms like Twitter, whilst you don't really make money off it, it's a good central hub. It's a good way to have that kind of direct reach out in a way that I don't think you necessarily get quite in the same way on Twitch and YouTube. And again, it exists as kind of, if one of those areas goes boom at least you still got your twitter as kind of a line of communication i suppose yeah a line of public connection being yeah but the end of this 
point of the end of this conversation is I'm going to be doing TikTok by the end of the week. That's where we're getting. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I really, really hope The thing I can't get over is vertical videos. Oh. I, mm. I hate vertical video. I don't want to go on a rant here, but like for decades on the internet, it's been that whole joke, you know, about people filming vertically on their phones and it's just awful film, film horizontal. We've now reached a point where we've gone full circle. More people watch videos on their phone and now it's the norm on TikTok, which is horrific as someone who plays football manager because football manager, trying to make a football manager video work vertically does not work. It's bloody difficult. Times have changed. Time to adapt again. Right. New football manager skin, please. I want a vertical football manager skin. <laughs> Can you say, imagine? Hey, that's FM Mobile, I think. Well, that that's still horizontal. Maybe they'll make it vertical. Yeah, Can fucking imagine? A vertical. I don't want to imagine. Oh, I will be making FM Mobile videos in no time. Computers are a thing <laughs> of the past. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, man. It's been fun talking about this stuff, and uh, we need to do this again soon. Maybe we'll actually talk about, I don't know, sports or football managers. I was going to say, we were, we've not even talked about the Gold Cup. Do you want to say anything about it now? Oh, well, I mean, you know, the United States has the two best teams in CONCACAF. So that would be our A team and our B team, in case you were wondering. I was going to say, didn't the Canadian women win in the Olympics? No, nah, we're we're, on, we're talking men's Concacaf. We have the two best teams, and uh, it's our. Oh, okay. And I, I thought you were yeah. saying men's and women's. Well, you see, so I just wanted to clarify. Actually, yeah, no, the, now... the, the women's team in a rare turn of events. It's the women's team that's let us down this time, but that's okay. And, and the way the best title works is it's like wrestling. So now, now the Canadian women have won it. They are now holding the belt of best. Concacaf women's team until they next lose to a Concacaf team. That's how it works. I, I loved. Believe. I loved what Megan Rapinoe said after that game. She Megan Rapinoe is like fifty years old. She's been playing soccer since the Stone Age, and she was like, "I don't think I've ever lost to Canada before." <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> it's like, oh, brutal way to go out in the Olympics, then. But anyway, I've ruined your outro there, so apologize. Just derailing it casually, but you know, I, I felt like I could feel. A, a, a longing for you to just you, mention the USA. You know, you if, if, as long as you want to bring up U.S. national team success, you can ruin every outro I ever do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I don't know if there'll be enough U.S. national team success for that, but yes, we won the Gold Cup, and may we finally make it back to the World Cup. Please! <laughs>